1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Good morning, to everyone. We're going to be taking your calls during the hour concerning any kind of issues or topics that you need answered or maybe pointed in the right direction. Might be a new medication that somebody's put you on, or maybe it's a new diagnosis or symptom, or maybe just some general health care information. All of those topics are appropriate to call in today. You can do that right now by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1-877- 877 Or if you're not able to call us right now, or maybe you uh, think of something later, you can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Hope everybody is uh, doing well, particularly in southern Mississippi. I know we um, are getting some sporadic reports now about storm surges and heavy rainfall from uh, Hurricane Sally. Uh, which is uh, just lumbering, it seems like, in southern uh, Alabama uh, and the Florida Panhandle, and uh, certainly has affected uh, some listeners in our area, too. So everybody be safe out there, particularly afterwards. I know a lot of people uh, end up getting hurt or even worse uh, from going around in areas after a uh, hurricane comes through. Power lines could be down. Of course, water and flooding, uh, particularly with the rainfall uh, totals that we're beginning to see with uh, Hurricane Sally, that is all a dangerous situation. So stay put if you can, if you're uh, listening, um, if you need help, uh, make sure you reach out to those people, know where your shelters are. Hopefully you've uh, done that on the front end of things. Uh, And please, please don't go to areas that are damaged. Please leave that to the professionals uh, you know, unless you're you're on a rescue team or something like that, that's uh, formally been trained on how to do that. So uh, everybody stay safe on the uh, Gulf Coast. Certainly been a uh, tumultuous season so far. If you're um, if you're wondering about previous programs, maybe you caught the uh, latter half of a program and didn't quite have an opportunity to uh, hear everything that we were talking about. You can always go to MPB online and uh, look at our um, previous archive programs. So we try to put those up uh, in about 24 hours or less. Uh, usually, we'll have those up that you can go back and, and search for programs um, for uh, uh, previous ones that we would have uh, covered some things. I also want to encourage individuals, if uh, you have a question, please don't wait till the, the second half of the hour. Um, certainly, we'll get to questions as soon as we can, but. We tend to have a little bit more time up front in the hour to um, to give people an opportunity to ask their question and for us to answer it. So we get a little rushed sometimes trying to squeeze people in at the end, and unfortunately, uh, every once in a while we have to um, to uh, not we don't get to the all all the questions from everybody who calls in. So that number again is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. 672 7464 or the email address remedy at mpbonline.org. A little bit of blood pressure um, uh, information for you. So, blood pressure control um, is something that we all um, uh, are concerned about um, in blood pressure circles. You know, that for most everybody in the population, certainly everybody except for some. Uh, individuals, particularly older individuals um, uh, with certain health um, um, health concerns, your blood pressure should be less than at least less than 140 over 90. and for most individuals less than 130 over 80. But if we look at control rates, there are several different uh, large uh, databases that we look at that are uh, basically um, look at this over time. If we look at the time period between 2013, 2014 and compare that to 2017, 2018. I know that's a couple of years old on that latter date, uh, but if you look at blood pressure control, and this is, again, thousands of people, so for instance, the NHANES data has about 18,000 individuals. Blood pressure control between the years of 2013, 2014 was about 54% of individuals who had blood pressures over 140, uh, over or had hypertension, uh, only about 54% were controlled. That's actually gone down by about 11% to 44%. So very disturbing. Most of the time, this was directly correlated to not seeing a physician. Certainly right now with COVID-19, that's a, that's an issue, particularly with telehealth visits. You may not be able to take your blood pressure appropriately. Um, so get in touch with your physician. If you do have hypertension, make sure that your rates are controlled um but see your physician for that all right let's go to our first caller i believe it's scott in uh, alabama good morning scott good morning i hope you're staying safe scott what part of alabama Um, are you in uh monroeville okay okay what's your question this morning
3: so i've got a 16 year old daughter um well kind of backstory she's had some pretty bad uh um female cycles, I guess you'd call it, for lack of better terms. Uh, and they put her on this birth control to kind of help that.
4: Um,
3: well, the birth control was causing some other side effects, magne and whatnot. Uh, they took her off the birth control, and now um, she's developed some mouth sores, like canker sores, I guess, in her mouth. So I was wondering, is that like because of the hormone shock, or what could we do? as far as helping
2: her with that. Sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, either either prolonged menstrual cycles or heavy bleeding is, is fairly common in teenage girls, um, particularly when they first start their cycles. So the average age now is somewhere between about 10 and 11 years of age. Um, yeah, but that, that can continue certainly throughout adolescence. That can be modulated by different things weight, rapid weight loss, weight gain, activity levels, all those kinds of things can affect uh, menstrual cycles and how heavy they are. So oral contraceptive uh, pills are certainly one of the the frontline treatments for that. And that just, helps, it helps regulate those cycles. Um, If you can't tolerate it from one reason though, it's a little, uh, it's a little surprising to me that she developed acne on that. Usually that improves acne. Um, but in, anyway, um, uh, coming off of that, there's really not, it sounds like that the canker sores, the, the uh, ulcers in her mouth are probably a separate issue that just happened to occur at the same time. Um, those are we usually have- caused by a virus. Um, and okay. uh, it's not really a shock to the system because the, the, uh, the contraceptives uh, medications have such a low dose of hormones, the amount that your body normally makes is many many times higher than that so i I don't think it's related to it per se um but certainly it sounds like it may have been just a sort of coincidence at the same time right okay
1: and you you know there's
2: certain things you can you can do um for that um you know uh there's some over-the-counter medications that you can put on there most of the time i feel like they don't help too much and there's not much to do to get rid of them any faster um, some of those over-the-counter ones can, you know, like Ora Gel base. They can uh, basically sort of treat the symptoms, but most of them, um, they have to sort of run their course.
3: Yeah, my my grandmother used to used to tell me to to take Lysine, vitamins. Yeah, Lysine. Yeah, and and that seemed to to help the process. I guess is that is that a true Yeah, that's that's.
2: That should be totally safe to take, and that's one of those remedies that um, there's not a whole lot of evidence that it works. But I've, I, I, you know, anecdotally, I have, uh, you know, advised a lot of patients to take that, and it seems to work pretty good. So that's certainly something that would be safe for her to take.
4: Right.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your help.
2: All right, Scott. Thank you for calling. This is uh, Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Tony and Brandon. Good morning, Tony. Are you hey, there?
1: Good morning. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Got one little problem. Uh, a couple of months ago, all of a sudden, I had started having a tingling running down my arm, like uh, like when you Hold it in a position uh, for a certain period of time or lay on your arm. You know, it still, go to sleep on you. Right. And I got got this little tingling that runs almost all the way down to my fingers. And uh, I went to a uh, capsule also. They did a MRI on my shoulder and my neck. And uh, he comes to conclusion that I may have a spinal problem up in my upper part of the neck where that bone, number one bone, I think, sticks out. Yep. So, uh, seems to think there might be a pinched nerve in there. What do you think about that?
2: Well, they're the experts. I would, I would defer to them on that. An MRI can give you a lot of good evidence if it correlates with the symptoms that you're having. So, Basically, a lot of things can sort of press on all those nerves that come out from the spinal cord uh, at any level along your, your backbones. Uh, but basically, in the neck, there's a lot of nerves that come out that go down to both arms. And if there's a if something's pressing on that specific nerve, that could be giving you the symptoms that you're having of that tingling sensation. Sometimes it's an arm, it's a numbness. Other times it's a pain. Right. Uh, it, and it does. The reason why it's with certain movements is you're you're stretching that nerve and it's pressing against that point that's usually either a disc, which is the spongy sort of shock absorber uh, between the vertebrae uh, to cushion that. Or it can be something called osteophytes or other bony protrusions uh, from those individual vertebrae. Now, I will say this about a neck surgery, if that's an option that they're considering. Sometimes you can do injections and things like that, and it can help.
1: Uh, That's what I was wondering to start off with. About 12 years ago, I had a back surgery uh, with one of the best back surgeons in town, and I come out of that smelling like a rose. And I'm planning on going back to him uh, uh, this week, so... Maybe yeah. I can get some results from that.
2: Yeah, and Tony, you know, if surgery in your neck is a lot different than in the lower back, and it's even more successful uh, if you look at those two different areas. Let's say sure if you compare enough. it to low back surgery, The most of the time, unless it really depends on you know where it's pressing and everything, but most of the time, the upper, you know, the neck is a better place for them to operate. But conservative oh, that's methods here, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, lower back, it's sort of, in a lot of cases, at five years, it's exactly the same from those who had surgery from the, you know, compared to those who don't. The, mm-hmm. In the upper neck, it's, it's a lot different. And a lot of that depends on, too, you know, if it's your dominant hand, the one you write with, uh, what do you do in your job, all those kinds of things can sort of play into that. But certainly, right. they can do some injections and things like that first. If those don't work, I'd say surgery is your
1: next bet. Man, that's terrific.
2: This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, answering your calls about your health or the health of someone near and dear to you. You can reach us this morning by calling one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Ann, who's been patiently waiting on the Gulf Coast. Good morning, Ann.
0: Good morning.
2: So How are you doing down you- there?
0: Uh, well, it's gray and very windy, and I actually have to water my lawn. Oh,
2: wow, it is amazing to me like how tight some of these bands can be uh with with hurricanes or tropical uh, storms that that come through and uh you know you gotta have twelve inches of rain um you know twenty fifty miles away and and, uh, and no rain somewhere else
0: it, it is, but we've been truly but be- blessed to have dodged another bullet.
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad you're safe. Certainly, we've got a lot of other people out there that unfortunately have borne the brunt of it, but uh, I'm glad you're safe, Ann. So, what's your uh, you. question this morning?
0: So, a couple of days ago, I noticed that I can see my pulse in my field of vision. Um, I do suffer from hypertension. I do take my medicine regularly, and I am due uh, an eye doctor appointment, but a deep, didn't know if this is like any urgency implied. It's very disconcerting to be able to, you know, change my position, and all of a sudden, I can see my pulse.
2: Yeah, and that's that's a, a common finding in a lot of people. It can be totally benign. I would say, if you when you're when you're experiencing that, um, I would take your blood pressure while you're you're having that experience or in close proximity to it. And just to make sure that it's not elevated now because our eyes are so vascular, there's a lot of arteries that, uh, that feed the eye and, uh, and, you know, get bl- a good blood supply to it. Sometimes you can have other things happen though. I'm glad you've got an upcoming ophthalmology, uh, appointment because they may want to do, uh, they're going to want to do a more in-depth look in your eye, um, the eye, you know, it's, uh, it, I, I forget who said this, but the eye is the window to the soul, but it's also a great window to directly see blood vessels. So if well, you look in the eye.
0: It corresponds with the, uh, all the hurricanes we've had on the stress level.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. With COVID and everything else that's going on, certainly stress can increase your blood pressure. So, Um, But, you know, looking at those blood vessels directly, they're probably going to want to do that. And they may even dilate your eyes to do that. It just gives you a wider field of vision to look into the eye. Um, But, um, I, you know, I would just get it checked out, as you already have coming up. Now, that can be a finding. And most of the time, people are still, when they find this, or it's a certain way that they're laying that just increases blood flow to those arteries. Um, but again, m- for most people, it's a benign finding and it may just be a transient rise in your blood pressure because of those stressors that's going on. But, um, but I would take the blood pressure that's going to be, you know, an important finding for, um, um, for your physician, for both your uh, um, ophthalmologist and then maybe, maybe for your regular doctor too.
0: But I don't need to call up and ask for an urgent appointment.
2: I don't think so. I think if you, as long as you're not having headaches, severe headaches or anything like that, or if it's a blurry vision, you know, I know you're seeing that or or feeling that sensation of the pulse. Some people also hear it too sometimes. Um, But I I think unless you're having those other symptoms, I wouldn't say that you need to be seen right now. But if you've got an appointment coming up in a week or so, I think that's probably fine. But I would. It is Thank helpful you. to get those blood pressures at home.
0: Yes, I'll do that, <laughs> and hopefully we'll end the hurricane season soon. It can't come fast enough.
2: I agree with you, Ann. Thank you for calling this morning.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.
2: All right. Let's go to April in Laurel, Mississippi. Good morning, April.
0: Good morning, Doctor Jimmy.
2: Thanks for um, calling.
0: I've been having a problem. Uh, I have um, arthritis, and I also have antiphospholipid syndrome. Uh, currently, my um, iron levels have been low, and they have suggested I go ahead and take some iron. But I really kind of feel like maybe my body's destroying my blood cells before I can even do anything with them. Um, what can I do to actually... Take or take something to help my phospholipids coverings.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's so. It's an autoimmune, uh, you know, condition that uh, basically it can it can lead to a prothrombotic state. So it can make your blood. Some people call it a little bit thick. Um, it has a lot of other other conditions that it's related to also. There's not much to do to, to reverse that. Um, now, your physician may have suggested maybe taking an aspirin, a baby aspirin a day. I don't know if they've said that, depending on your individual situation and what else you got going on. Is your arthritis autoimmune, or is it osteoarthritis, or is it something like rheumatoid arthritis?
0: It's rheumatoid as well. So.
2: Okay. Okay. And sometimes those go hand in hand. Uh, you can have one um, autoimmune process, that's why I asked that, and then it can be associated with another one. So um, iron deficiency anemia is frequently, um, uh, is frequently associated with autoimmune processes, and you can also have an anemia of chronic disease, and you can those two things can go hand in hand too. So just because your iron levels are low and you're taking iron, that may not, you know, totally get those those red blood cells back up. And it's not necessarily a destruction of those red blood cells. They would be able to see that on a blood test. And there's a couple of other tests to look at that. That's called a autoimmune hemolytic anemia. It just means your body's destroying those red blood cells. But a lot of times with a an autoimmune disease, it's just the overall condition that's an inflammatory state. That causes your bone marrow to not produce as much of the red blood cells, but if if they've checked your iron levels appropriately with a, a, a test, um, then uh, you you should be able to, uh, you know, they should be able to to ascertain whether or not the iron's going to help or not. Um, okay. But they may, you know, they may want to follow it up with other things. Now, as far as like you know, if it is like this, this anemia of chronic disease from either the APLS or the rheumatoid arthritis, really just getting good control of those two things, uh, particularly the rheumatoid arthritis, um, sometimes that can affect your anemia as well. Are you seeing a hematologist for that? No. Yeah. And it may be worthwhile to see a hematologist, you know, a, a blood doctor specialist, um, they may, they may can have some suggestions. Anemia can be incredibly frustrating. It can make you feel like you have no energy. Uh, You just, you just sort of drag along. And while iron stores are important, it's only one step in sort of making those red blood cells. So um, working with your, your main doctor, who's, who's seeing you for the, the rheumatoid arthritis and the APLS and APLS is actually, that's one of the conditions, too, that uh, hematologists um, can, uh, that they can, uh, you know, they can, they can help out with and at least know sort of how to, how to focus on everything, not just one thing, but everything that's going on with you.
0: All right. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: All right, April. Thank you for calling. Let's go to John in Macomb. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning. How are you doing?
2: Good. Thank you for calling.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I had a question, man. Uh, that I have uh, experienced uh, personally. Experienced. Hadn't asked anybody else, but seems like uh, I'm kind of lost when I don't have my glasses on. I can't think real good. But when I put my glasses on, oh boy, you know, it's like things <laughs> go to coming together. I think better, you know. Does, does your eyesight help you
2: thinking? That's the question. You know, I've never seen a study that directly looked at that, John, about you know your vision. Certainly, your vision gives you a lot of clues and you could be certainly confused if you can't really see if it particularly if it's pretty bad. Uh, I can see where that probably you know would affect your your cognition and how you interact with everything. Um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I've never really seen a direct correlation between that and, uh, you know, just being confused about things. So, sounds like you've done your own, you know, trial of one patient yourself, though, and uh, I try to have those glasses with me if they help and uh, just try to try to stick with it.
3: Yeah, I keep them. I keep them handy. I sure appreciate it, sir.
2: All right, John. Thank you for calling. All right. Yeah, I know uh, the way my eyesight is these days, I need my glasses on almost all the time. So, uh, or uh, I will be confused because I cannot see. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy.
0: If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast
2: Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, answering your calls and questions about your health care issues. The number to call is one mpb ring That's one eight seven seven 672 Let's go to Renee in Utica. Good morning, Renee.
4: Good morning.
2: Thanks for calling.
0: I would like to know, what can I do to increase my appetite?
2: So there are a couple of things that uh, you can do to increase it, but I always like to know the why uh, answers before we, we jump into other things. Do you, know, do you have any kind of explanation about, is it mainly that you, you don't have the urge to uh, eat certain foods or volumes of foods, or is there something else going on?
0: Uh Well, basically, I really don't know. I had a several tests done, and they have come up negative. It's just over the, several years ago, I just lost my appetite, and uh, I like eating, and I eat pretty much healthy most of the time. So I really don't know.
2: Yeah, so it sounds like they have done you know sort of a background to see if it's maybe a thyroid condition, if it's something else. A lot of times when we lose our sense of taste and smell, it can change our appetites, and sometimes that decreases with age. Sometimes medications can cause that. So I'm assuming that they've looked at all those reasons, which you know might be pretty easy to remedy um, to, to do away with a lot, a lot of those things. But if they haven't found anything, uh, there's a couple of medications that you can take. Now, one of the most simplest things is making sure that you have access to food and just sort of even set a timer to eat, whether you're, you know, whether you're wanting to, to you're feeling that or not. Um, no, I wouldn't skip any meals. I probably would, you know, be- definitely eat at least three times a day with a couple of snacks in between making sure that they're healthy to eat. Sometimes people make the the mistake of just going for calories without going for a healthy type, uh, you know, diet. So, Uh, certainly you'd want to make sure that it includes things like lots of fruits and vegetables. And, um, but beyond that, the other medications uh, that I mentioned, Megace is one that's been used usually in the setting of, uh, patients who are undergoing chemotherapy and maybe losing weight and have lost their appetite. Um, it does have some side effects. You'd want to talk to your physician about that before you started that it is, it's not over the counter, um. They've, there's a lot of supplements that have been, you know, sort of touted for that, and uh, uh, some of them work, some of them don't. I, I don't think they work really any differently than just setting up a. Some people even have a timer that they set either on their phone or otherwise, saying, "Hey, get up and eat." Um, but um, some of the other medications that are out there help to stimulate that uh, your appetite centrally, and sometimes there's side effects of those. Uh, medication. So for instance, if somebody didn't have a problem with the appetite and they might gain a lot of weight on a medication, in your case, it might work well for you as long as it's not sort of contraindicated. But if you haven't started with some of those simpler things of just getting a schedule and having food available, um, a lot of times that's that's the biggest challenge that people have. And then from there, you might talk to your physician about, you know, medications
0: Alright,
2: thank you Alright, Renee, good luck to you This is Southern Remedy, Dr. Jimmy with you this morning The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven uh 672 7464 I believe we have uh, Is it Dina or Deanna from Grenada? Dean Oh, I'm sorry, Dean I added some extra letters there From Grenada, <laughs> no. good morning, Dean
4: No problem, enjoy your show uh, recently, uh, I had a CAT scan done to screen for lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, it came back negative, uh, but the radiologist who interpreted the CAT scan uh, wrote down that uh, there was evidence of what he called schmorl's nodes on the vertebra, S-C-H-M-O-R-L. Uh, I haven't had time uh, or chance yet to talk to my primary physician, but how concerned should I be about that? Uh, what kind of questions would I want to ask my primary physician? I did look it up on the Internet to see what it was. Uh, erosion yeah, so. of the vertebral bones. Right. And, um, you know, it's,
2: it, it's fairly common, um, and this is usually the way you'd pick it up. I, let me ask this question before we go that route, though, first. So, are you having any kind of low back pain or non-specific back pain?
4: Ah, uh, not really. I'm I'm 59, so just normal aches and pains, especially with getting old. I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, those are
2: just some findings in the uh, the part of the. I'm trying to remember now. The the uh, the part of the disc, like the interior part of the disc, the, uh, that that uh, the nucleus. Pulposis, that's right. Okay, so I I knew that would come to my mind. See, that's my 20-plus years ago of gross anatomy coming back. Um, But basically, people, you know, you can find this on a CT scan fairly uh, often, and a lot of times if we're looking for something else, like the lung cancer screening, uh, low-dose CT, a lot of times this will be picked up. I I don't think you need to worry about it too much, uh, Dean. I think probably this is just a... um, a finding that is as surreptitiously, uh, that they're, they're looking at, but if you're not having any kind of pain or anything, uh, you know, that, and they don't rec- recommend that you need to see somebody, that's probably not something to, that you need to worry about, um, too much. But, uh, uh but, bas- but basically, you know, it, it goes along with back pain. If you're having significant, significant enough back pain to go see somebody for, then it might be related to that. But if you're not, it's sort of like a disc herniation. Sometimes you can, if you get an MRI for another reason, a lot of times uh, they'll pick up a disc herniation and a good many people will have that without any kind of back pain and you don't need to do a, anything about it in that situation. So unless you're having back pain, I probably wouldn't be too, um, too, too upset about it or, or notice that you need to do anything about it.
4: Well, that's definitely the answer I wanted to hear. I appreciate it. <laughs>
2: that's right. If it's if it's not bothering you, don't uh, press on it.
4: <laughs> all right.
2: Thanks a lot. All right, Dean. Thank you, and uh, and good luck to you. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, Joan in Fairhope. Good morning, Joan.
3: Hello there. I have had neuropathy. I think it doesn't bother me too much, except tingling and, but. I get red spots on my legs, and sometimes the red spots are raised, and I'm assuming that's the neuropathy. But my uh, doctor says maybe I should go to a dermatologist because he thinks, well, I don't know, maybe psoriasis. What do you think?
2: Uh, it's, I think it's a good idea to go to a dermatologist. Now, neuropathy usually doesn't cause skin changes. It can be associated. It can be associated with skin changes, um, but in and of itself, it doesn't cause that you know changes in your skin. Now, those red spots on your legs—they could be anything. They could be. Uh, it, it's a lot of differences, and sometimes it takes the trained eye of a dermatologist to look at it and say, "Okay, this is what it is." Or sometimes they can take a very small biopsy of it to know exactly what it is. Um, but you can have changes over time in your legs. And sometimes that's with the blood vessels that supply blood to the skin. Uh, but without actually seeing it, it's sort of hard for me to, to throw my hat in the ring on what it might be. But I think it's probably worthwhile for, you know, for you to see a dermatologist just to see if it is related to the neuropathy. Is it something totally yeah. separate? Um, Have you ever heard that
3: there's lupus of the skin and lupus of the body? Is that true?
2: Yeah. Now, lupus, the systemic lupus, uh, it can affect a lot of different organs in the body, including the skin. And sort of the classic uh, rash of lupus is over the malar surface of the face. So it's sort of this, the bridge of the nose and the cheeks. uh, And it tends to be sun exposed areas and it could be other places too. You can have Not discoid a... lup- you can have discoid lupus that just affects the skin though, um, and it doesn't affect other organs. Uh, but I wouldn't jump too much on lupus or psoriasis. They have very characteristic patterns, and a biopsy would really tell you. You know, particularly if you're looking at both of those. Psoriasis tends to be a thick, plaque-like uh, rash that's that's thickened skin in certain places. So it. Doesn't if it's just red spots, it may not be psoriasis.
3: All right, thank you.
2: All right, Joan, thank you for calling. We appreciate uh, you calling, and uh, you stay safe down there. Let's go to uh, Samuel this morning. Good morning, Samuel. Good morning. How are you? Good, Samuel. Where are you calling from? Moss Point. Moss Point. We, we like to give a shout out to different places and in, uh, in our areas. So uh, thank you for calling. What can we do for you?
5: Well, first of all, I have three questions. Number one, are you are you on there every morning at 10 o'clock or just certain day of the week?
2: So Southern Remedy uh, has five different programs throughout the week, and uh, we have different themes on all of those days except for Wednesday. So, so we're on at 11 o'clock Central Daylight Time uh, right here on MPB Think Radio. And all the rest of the programs are also on at, at from 11 to 12 Central Daylight Time. Uh, the, uh, the other ones have different themes, though, and this one is just e- every kind of different call-in that we have. So um, so check us out on those other days. and may be something that sort of piques your interest on those.
5: Okay. Now, do I have enough time to ask you two health questions?
2: Yes. Go fire okay, away.
5: Number one is that, well, I used to box. And you, if you've ever boxed, you know how it is when you get hit in the rib cage. It hurts uh, every morning and twenty-four hour, twenty-four seven. My rib cage hurt, uh, and and that hurt all the way from maybe T uh, two all the way down to T five, T twelve. Is it on just one also side? also or- is that a lot of mornings? A lot of mornings I might be wakened by severe cramps in my leg. And the last time I had one, it was in my right leg, and it stayed sore for about two days. I don't know whether I'm sleeping in a fetus position or what, but those are my two major questions that I haven't been able to get any answers on from, the, from other medical uh, uh, experts, so to speak.
2: Yeah, when you when you uh, were boxing, did you have do uh, you know if you had any rib fractures?
5: No, sir, never had.
2: Okay, so, so boxing, particularly over a long period of time, you can do some continuous damage to certain areas and certainly blows to the body, to the trunk, or, well, or I had, one of the... I, had,
5: I had never recall ever being hit in the ribcage because I always protected that area. That's one of the most sensitive areas in the human body. Right. And not only just the human body, even a dog, you can walk up to a dog and hit him in the ribcage behind his, his uh, uh, legs and he will cough.
2: Yeah. So so if you hadn't had a lot of trauma there, uh, you know, it might be something from the spine, particularly if it's between T2 and T12. So that's the thoracic vertebrae. And basically, that's like up, upper part of your back all the way down to uh, where those ribs stop. Uh, so it's really what you're describing is every rib on one, at least one side of your of your you know chest and upper abdomen. Um, if it's that if it were something that was related to boxing, I would expect it to be more localized and not that spread out. You can have regional pain syndrome sometimes from that, from an injury in the nerves, but usually that's much more localized.
5: Okay, so, well can't the if the thoracic is not supporting the muscles that that, that 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 supports the rib cage, it can cause that, right?
2: Um, that would have to be pretty severe, um, particularly that widened area, and you would you would it's notice just, that even even just looking severe. at
5: it. It gets pretty severe. I stretch every morning to to be able to walk out and keep my head up, my chest down, and all of a sudden I might move a certain way and I have a sharp pain that might come from one of the area or both of the areas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so on the circumstances, uh, you think it could be related to my thoracic?
2: Well, it's in the thoracic area, so that's that's just what I was saying. So it now doing those exercises is probably going to help. But if it's not getting any better, I think I would go see an orthopedic surgeon first or a neurologist to tease out what might be happening because it does, it's not fitting with any one area that might be pressing on a nerve or you know it's if it's that widespread an area then it's it may be something a little different.
5: Okay. Okay. Now the cramping
2: the cramping in the legs and what you just described I believe was more so at night, correct?
5: Right. It usually like early in the morning, like um anywhere between maybe uh, 2 or 4 o'clock in the morning all of a sudden I get a bad cramp in there and I straighten my legs out and the cramp just no matter how I, I, I straighten my leg and so forth it just don't go away like it should you think I don't know whether I come from me sleeping in a fetus position but I know I'm going to sleep on my left side so I'm wondering
2: yeah so cramps uh, and particularly at night very common it can be caused by a number of things number one Uh, I'd make sure somebody has looked at your electrolytes, things like your sodium and your potassium levels in your blood to make sure that they're in the normal range. Um, The other thing is you can have what's called the parasomnia. So there's a lot of things that can happen around the time that you're sleeping that can cause some cramps. Um, Disordered sleep is actually associated with cramps at night. So I'd make sure somebody has screened you appropriately for those. It may even be worthwhile to get a sleep study to see if um, you know if they can look at those those uh, look for those kinds of things. Um, and then the the last thing I would say is make sure that you're not uh, you know under hydrating during the day or particularly at night because that can cause cramps later in the night and limit your caffeine intake, particularly later in the day.
5: Well, how do you spell a pair of something
2: Oh, para, so P-A-R-A, and then somnias is S-O-M-N-I-A-S. Okay. And that just means things that happen around the time that we sleep.
5: Okay, well, all right, thank you. Well, what I've been doing is keeping a watch on uh, how much I perspire and how much... uh, uh, I, I, I've been watching that and also to, uh, to make sure I drink quite a bit of power during the time I'm going to be perspiring quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, unless please. you're
2: outside, I, I might even just try just regular old water unless you're outside sweating.
5: Oh, well, I'm outside sweating because when I, when I do my, my, my yard, um, uh, well, I'm going to perspire a whole lot. I perspire. It runs out of my head like water out of a drain.
2: I I think you're on the right track
4: with
5: that. Okay, well, I thank you, sir, and you have a blessed day and stay safe.
2: I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app, The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show
1: through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: on mpb think radio i'm dr jimmy with you this morning answering your healthcare questions about yourself or someone else uh the number to call as always is 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 or and since we're up against uh the the hour with uh maybe one or two more calls you can always email us at remedy at mpbonline.org let's go to joe in mobile good morning joe up, oh, are you there, Joe? Okay, we may have lost Joe there, so uh, sorry about that. Joe, if, uh, we got a couple more minutes if you want to try to call back. I uh, don't know exactly what was going on. Let me share this email with you uh, that we received recently, and this was about a child with warts. So warts uh, certainly are um, you know, common in kids and adults. There's different kinds of warts. I always like the scientific name of warts because they just sound horrendous and sort of when I see a wart, that's what I sort of think of. So it's Baruca vulgaris is the name of them. So that's the common warts that you normally see. Uh, they are very common on the hands uh, and on the feet. You can have plantar warts, which just means that they're on the bottom of the feet. And you can also have those on your on the surface of your hands. A little bit harder to get rid of those just because of the thickened skin there. And then you can also have uh, what's called flat warts. Um, now, warts are caused by viruses. Um, there's different types of viruses that can cause those. So those are things that y- you can get from other people. Uh, you can't actually get one from a frog. Uh, you know, no matter how much you, uh, you handle frogs or toads, uh, that's sort of a fallacy, but you can get it from other people. Uh, so touching somebody else's wart uh, that, can, that can be a, a, a way that you can get that. If you're in a shower, that's another place you could potentially get that too, wearing shower shoes, or uh, if you're in a communal-type uh, situation in a shower, that's, that's probably what you would want to do, or in a hotel uh, sometimes. Uh, but, and you can also auto-inoculate, which just means if you have a wart in one place, you can get it in another place. Over-the-counter medications are pretty uh, successful unless it's a very big, thick wart, Um, Salicylic acid is one of the most common ones over-the-counter. Freezing, and that's cryotherapy, and that has to be done in the doctor's office, either by your physician or a dermatologist with liquid nitrogen. The -the over-the-counter cryotherapy really doesn't work as well. So try those things for warts. I think that's going to be your best bet. If they're uh, a little persistent, you might want to see your dermatologist.